0: Hey guys, what's up? It's Jeremy here with Cartel Aristocrats cast number 68. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Cool Stuff Inc. and GatheringMagic.com, that have provided us with unique gift certificates to give away to listeners of this cast. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more and an insane BIOS bonus trade in value on site or online, we'd like to thank them for sponsoring this podcast. I'm joined this week, of course, with my co host, Jim Casale, down in Old Swampy, Florida. As, so well at, as well as Ed, who just got back from Germany and is trying to find a place to uh, be able to record on from his taxi cab. And of course, we're also joined by Travis Allen, who, as usual, has is halfway interested in this cast and would rather be playing a video game during it and picking bulk.
1: Yeah, but we do have a split in the middle of it.
0: But we do have a special guest on this week. If you guys remember, we had Mike Linneman on uh, a while ago to talk about the art market, but we actually found a bigger fish to fry this week. We'd like to welcome Josh onto this podcast. Josh, if you want to give the background of what you do related to magic art.
2: Yes. Uh, Hey, everybody. This is uh, Josh Krause. I run the original magic art store, um, and I have turned uh, my passion for magic art into uh, a business. And it's uh, it started in 2006 when I saw my first painting, fell in love, picked a bunch up, picked more up, and then eventually uh, created a really crappy website, made a little bit better website, and now I've grown into a lot of different, uh, different aspects. And uh, while I don't do um, much with uh, magic cards, uh, art-wise, I-, I try to keep, pretty involved in the community and have seen it grown from, uh, just one or two people talking about art into, a, a full fledged collecting community.
0: Okay. So when you say art is a business, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that you can make money on magic art? And if
2: so, who are the people that are making money off art in this industry? I'd say that there are a few people that are making money off the of magic art, but it's, but the community is pretty small I would say like the number of active collectors is probably somewhere around just in the h- couple hundreds uh, across the world uh, at least the ones that are you know active uh, if you look at the Facebook group there's uh, around 2,000 people that are that are involved in the uh, the magic art Facebook groups but only a couple big fish and I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm a big fish. I just uh, I swim a little bit uh, bit more than everybody else and and work in a different level. there's there's a couple ways you can take it., uh, there are a couple people out there, uh, like uh, Dan Chang with uh, vintage magic. he He started out buying a lot of uh, expensive pieces, and back in like two thousand you know nine, two thousand and ten, he was buying up. Uh, pieces from Legends, Alpha, really, really old stuff. He got some really impressive pieces for for not that much. But at the time, nobody else was really in the market, so you could pick up pieces. like I picked up Sliver Queen for $700 off eBay. Uh, The original painting for uh, Survival of the Fittest went for like $1,400 at the time. And so, and I was picked up like the original painting for *City of Traders* for like two hundred fifty dollars. So it was, it was just a different time back uh, back then. I passed up. If I if I look at the paintings that I passed up back then, um, I, I try not to think about it because there's just so much, so many great pieces that I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to spend you know four hundred dollars for these landscapes. It's not going to be. I, I knew they're going to be worth more. I just didn't have. You could pick up so many other things for two three hundred dollars where now those pieces are. Two, three thousand dollars. The market's grown to such a degree that uh, it's it's maturing very nicely. And so you're saying that you regret not picking up these quote unquote
0: cheaper pieces. Are you saying that the returns on some of these pieces, if you're buy if you bought them a couple years ago, are uh, surpassing some of the Magic single speculations, or as far as just being able to help facilitate a trade towards another greater
2: piece of Magic artwork? Uh, there are a couple ways you can handle it. Uh, yes. I'd say if you had started buying back when I got back in, which was, like uh, I got in 2006, got out around 2008, and got back in around 2012, and things hadn't really changed that much. But 2012, you had a lot of different factors that you know, there were more people getting involved. Uh, I started my site and we started building a community and once we had that that community that that little kernel of a community built it attracted more and more people and you know magic players have been around for 20 years and people that were playing back in the day now have jobs and can afford nice things and so yeah you could pick up uh, i passed up a mountain painting for i could have gotten it for a hundred dollars and it sold last time it's changed hand a few a few times i think the last time it sold is for like two thousand dollars something like that it was crazy um and so i'd say there's definitely a, a market out there uh but what i've noticed is that it's it's you know slowed down a little bit i mean it's i would say the, the growth of magic itself has gr- slowed down as well and so you're seeing a little bit um of a a dip in the uh, in magic Uh, art market you used to be able to i'd say about a year and a half ago you could sell almost anything for 800 1200 dollars no matter what Uh, and people are just more and more people are getting interested in the uh community interested in the hobby and people are just scrambling for pieces and now you can still pick up pieces that you know back then were selling for uh over a thousand and you could probably pick them up for Three, four, five hundred dollars, and they're not like screaming. Uh, you have a couple people out there uh, that are still picking up a lot of pieces, just trying to pick off the little, uh, little nuggets that are out there, and then and offer them for more. But overall, it's it's such a small market and such a limited uh, ability to change hands. I mean, a person buys. You're going to need four underground seas. You might need twenty, depending on how many decks you want to play. But you're only going to want one painting and there's only one painting available and there's there's no substitution in there if you want the original art from marari's wake uh by donato there's only one of them and so it it limits the ability to uh for commerce to evolve uh and, and it also makes it more desirable so that's why you're seeing pieces that you know i'd say pieces have maybe doubled at least the floor has risen from like 100 200 to 400 500 for just a random ma- magic painting uh, but the ceiling has uh, drastically increased you're, you're seeing people buying i think the um Richard and port by uh for Mercadian mass that painting went up for auction and Someone we don't know exactly what the final price buzz was, but we know that there was an offer for 60,000 that was uh, that didn't win. So it definitely um, the, the ceiling for recognizable art is is much higher. but it also means that you know you're, you <laughs> all those little deals that were out there that I was finding and other people were finding in 2012, 2013, into 2014 and they're
3: few and far between, far, far behind. So uh that's really interesting that you say that. So have artists now started to do more traditional painting? Because obviously the first person that has the piece of art is the artist themselves. So they're able to, you know, if they if they're doing a an original piece instead of a digital piece, you can sell that one for, you know, some amount more than, you know, obviously nothing, which is what you can sell a, a digital one for. Has that really changed how artists have been working in magic?
2: In some cases, yeah uh definitely you've had some artists that I mean, digital's faster digital's more flexible they're able to make changes on the fly if they don't like something they did they can just press the undo button a to- button a couple times and they'll be able to make all the adjustments that they want but uh they're definitely uh, there are many artists that are recognizing the value of originals um zach stella uh works Digitally, mo- primarily digitally, but also he is recognizing when things are worthwhile, like the, his, um, the scheme that he did for arch enemy Nicol Bolas, where it's like this regal, majestic Nickel Bolus just surveying everything. He did that in paints. He did his damnation in paints. Um, he did, uh, apparently he did pencils for the, um, the newly revealed uh, from Ixalan. I don't know if you saw it. The the new uh, commander uh, dinosaur, the dinosaur commander that everyone's really really loves. It's a great piece of artwork. He did pencils for it, finished it digitally, but he's going to actually go back and paint it so that he can sell the painting for it. Um, usually the market doesn't really, it, you know, ma- the the magic art collecting market doesn't you know reward that same sort of uh, give it that same sort of bonus that you'll see like any, anytime an artist comes out with something new, like Ryan Pancoast uh, today when the spoilers drop, he dropped that, uh, the, an eBay auction for his, one of his pieces within like a couple hours of the spoiler going up. So some artists are really savvy to it and some of our, some artists have really uh, embraced it. Uh, but others are still coming around to it, but then anything new always has a, a solid, um, a solid uh bonus attached to the value it it fades over time but anytime that the artists are able to capture that they're selling pieces for uh 1800 to 3000 dollars whereas if they waited a year they'd be lucky to get 800 to 1200 for it so there's a there's definitely a premium assigned anything new and a lot of artists are recognizing that i have a question sure why do so many
1: people that buy art do so anonymously?
2: Well, uh, that's a good question. I, I'm usually all right. Sometimes it's just because they it's just for themselves they just want the art for themselves they don't want to be barraged with um people asking about it if they can buy it uh, if uh if they can get a scan of it if they can get uh, any sort of information about the piece we have some collectors uh, some fans of specific pieces of art that are uh very energetic in their thieving (laughs) magpie what (laughs) i i i don't know what you're talking about at all um there are so they just don't want to deal with it and they just like i i personally own some pieces that i've never revealed to the public that's not out of any need to um it to hide anything it's mainly i'm just i am lazy <laughs> and i haven't taken good quality pictures of them and i don't want to have you know bad quality pictures of my my uh, my collection out there so uh, i try to i put it in my head that i'm going to take pictures and i'm sure a lot of the people do uh but I would say overall, the the community is very is more generous than I would, was expecting. When I started at my site, I thought we'd get a couple. You know, my my original uh, originalmagicart.com. Um, we have a gallery where people would share all of their originals, and we have over a hundred galleries, uh, original paintings, and we had some really amazing things and and uh, surprising things have come of it. We've had some people that have come up. Uh, and said, Hey, I have this, this collection and they'll tell me or they'll tell Mike about it. They don't want to tell the, the rest of the community, but we were able to, to connect artists with their originals and been able to get, you know, high quality scans like, uh, Mark Tadine, uh, years and years ago. I don't know if you have ever heard the story, but there was a, uh, wizards, the wizards art gallery, um, was a company run by uh, an individual. And uh, there was some shenanigans and some artists, art was sold with artists without artists being compensated. And then there was some art that just went missing. Uh, and some of those pieces were owned by Mark Tadeen, like Chaos Orb, Time Twister, um, some very significant pieces that for years and years and years, he had thought were stolen. He actually had them listed as stolen on his website. And then we found uh, through my website the the owner of Chaos Orb and, and several other pieces, and we were able to get a scan for Mark, and he was able to start selling prints and, and other things. Uh, so we've had a lot of uh, community members come forward with their collections, and uh, and some they just don't want to bother with the hassle. Some uh, are lazy like myself sometimes, and uh, others they they're they're already very generous with the, what they own. This sounds like
1: something that is um, pretty difficult to approach if you don't have uh, a pretty, pretty good capital backing behind you. Um, I mean, I'm sure that there are cheaper copies available. You know, some of the other, you know, lesser played commons, or you know, you can go the print direction. But all in all, it doesn't sound like anyone's doing this for uh, less than triple digits, essentially.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, even it used to be you could pick up. Uh, sketches for 20 50 bucks and now those are going for 100 250 so the, the market itself has has grown significantly and I highly suggest if you've never looked into magic art owning originals or even just prints as I, I highly suggest it I mean I run a business that is based on it so of course I do but uh, when you, if you are ever considering buying an original, don't don't concern yourself with value uh, Concern yourself with what does the art mean to you? Like does this piece of art that I'm considering buying? Mean anything to me? What connection do I have to it? Uh, don't just like I've when I first got back into it in 2012. I was buying up Everything I could because I knew that things were you know severely underpriced when I was picking up stuff for like the pics that I picked up uh so many things. Uh, ill-gotten gains I got for the two, the original painting for ill-gotten gains. I got for $250. It was crazy. Some of the stuff that was out there and because we were just coming out of the um, the financial crisis. People were still getting on their feet. And this was even stuff that other artists, that uh, other people had, had gone through and then picked, talked with artists, developed relationships and picked things up. But uh, there's still, I, I can't say there's not opportunity out there. I mean, I'd say about a year ago, I did a barrage of contacting artists that I hadn't really gotten much contact with, and uh, they weren't like the most well-known artists, but they they still had some some pieces. I got a bunch of portal artwork um, and some pieces from Future Sight for you know really reasonable prices. But all of the low hanging fruit and mid hanging fruit and a lot of the stuff on the top is already gone. But I won't say there's not fruit left on the tree there definitely is you just have to put more and more work into it to make it happen is this website your only job right now yeah yeah it, it's the website and then the projects that I'm building off of it um, the website started I mean I incorporated it into a business to uh, broker some art deals and just to, to have the additional protection of the the LLC and then I launched a Kickstarter last year for uh, the classic art tokens. Just a, an idea, <laughs> yeah, Got um, them right here. See, there you go. Uh, there and you that go. that went off. That took off. Um, but that was, you know, that took a year from uh, idea to ins- to you know actualization of it. And then we did another thing. And now I'm working on a, a lot of the things that I wanted to do. Like I'm working with artists now to make prints a lot of artists sell prints a lot of artists don't want to bother and so I work with all the ones that don't want to bother to do it for them they get a cut I get a cut Uh, everybody that wants the art can get the art otherwise they wouldn't be able to so we try to make everybody happy Uh, and then I'm working on new things I got something coming up I got a Kickstarter plan for October January May and then a bunch of other ideas that are just kind of sitting around that I haven't you know, it's just, it's just a one man show, uh, for most of it. And, um, it's, it's doing well. It's a, it's a small business and I wouldn't be able to do it without my wife supporting me, which is amazing of her. Uh, but it's, it's fun and I can't believe that I get to do some of the things I get to do and it's awesome.
0: So something that we, uh, we haven't talked about yet that, uh, seems Sometimes lucrative and sometimes like a bad choice is artist booths at grand prix. As far as if they're paying for them or if they're just sort of volunteering their time, um, or if they're getting paid to be there, um, it seems like a lot of artists have been switching to play mats and tokens lately. Um, is this because they're not getting they're not getting enough work through uh, wizards like to keep paying the bills if they only do work for Magic? Or is it more that they've found a way to capitalize on these secondary sources of revenue and it makes sense for them to uh, travel around the world and get players interested in their art?
2: I'd say most most artists in the US, if you go to USGP, uh, more often than not, unless it's like Therese or Therese, I don't know many any other, maybe John Avon probably, they get they are not paid. Uh, to, they don't get appearance fees anymore. Um, they don't have to pay for their booths. As far as I know, I don't think that's changed and they may get hotel. I know in Vegas, some of the artists, if not all the artists got hotel, um, that is not standard. Uh, some, I don't know how Channel Fireball is going to be running it. And that once they have you know, all of next year, every GP is going to be Channel Fireball. So I don't know how they're going to be, they're going to do it. I know that they helped out hotels at, Vegas. I don't know if they're going to do that for all their events. I know if a US-based artist goes to a GP out of the country, they're not doing that unless they basically get all expenses paid. So if you see Randy go to Tokyo, that's because the organizer there paid for Randy to go to Tokyo. Um, You're seeing a lot of you know diversification in their merchandising and, and a lot of ways because some of the artists that you're seeing doing the gp circuit this is their this this is like a this is their business randy hasn't done a piece of magic art in years uh many years and i don't see him getting any more anytime soon but with his tokens play he is a machine he has you know developed a merchandising plan and he has turned gps into a solid business and a lot of artists are emulating that, especially artists that don't uh, don't really either don't get many assignments, don't get any assignments anymore. Like you have Dan Frazier does the circuit. You have Brian Wackwitz that does the circuit. And a lot of that is Mark Aronowitz. Um, uh, he's, he works his butt off for all the artists that he works with. And he does a really great job for them and making sure that uh, they're diversifying their offerings and – uh making sure they're getting paid their expenses paid and uh and some of the artists have their own i mean it it all it varies by artists i every artist i talk with and every artist i work with i'm trying to work with them to develop their merchandising plan and then you're seeing a lot of playmats because there's some demand for a playmat i mean i i am working with artists to make playmats through my site we roll we're rolling out new playmats almost every week i got a lot of stuff in the pipeline but at the same time, the playmat market is full. I mean, it is chock full. Um, it, you, you know, five years ago, four, three, four years ago, playmats were really cool and people would just grab them up and, and you would, they would go to events just for the playmat. And now it's like, oh, I go to an event, I get four playmats. What do I I don't understand? I mean, I know why people do it I know why the event organizers are giving out for playmats is because it's value and it doesn't cost them that much Uh, They're they're able to people will value whatever they're getting more than what they're actually paying uh, paying for so they're generating some some positives there, but you're also just furthering like I just did Gen Con and I'd say about Half of the people that I talked to and I was selling my playmats uh, Both the the official magic ones and the classic art ones that I offer uh, And I'd say half the people were like, oh, I got a stack of those at home And I got a stack of them at home I'm sure everybody on this call has a stack of them in your in your rooms and I don't know what to do about that because I want to keep on making all these great playmats I want to make art, all the artists to continue making great playmats, but honestly, there are so many people that have so many mats already. All we can do is just keep on making awesome things and hope people really love them. Um, tokens, the margins on tokens are great. so That's why people want them. They're an easy purchase. Uh, people will pick up five for five bucks or or whatever they're, they're charging. You can get them uh, easy purchases and the, the investment in them is really not that much, especially if, if you've already done the art and you can Do all the design work yourself. There are a couple companies that you can go through where you're paying, you know, eight, 12 cents a token without crazy minimums. And so you're selling yours for a dollar or two. You're, you're making enough money. uh, And that's why you're seeing a lot of tokens. And and you're going to see a lot more stuff as people start looking into different avenues to to continue to offer new things using the artwork that they've already made or that they're currently working on. Um, So I think artists, as long as Channel Fireball at least keeps on making the art tables free and helps, helps out with the hotels when they can, you're going to see more artists showing up because they're going to have more ability to, uh, to to make money off of it. I mean, you're seeing signings. But you got to think an artist, anytime that they're in an event, that is three or four days that they're not painting and they're not making art for magic, and or, or whatever other game uh, properties they are working on or their own properties. And that's what a thousand dollars in hotel, $500 in, uh, you, you're, you're looking at least a thousand to $2,000 just to show up at the event, barring everything else. So you got to make a lot of money on fairly small sales because people don't buy originals at the at events much anymore. Um, I've seen a couple, but generally people are just there for small purchases. Uh,
1: it, it does seem like the next, the first person to figure out how to, the first person to find a good medium for artwork that isn't playmats will be able to capitalize on that because playmats, as you said, are completely done to death, but players still fall in love with the artwork. So they've got to figure out something else to do with it that people will buy, because they want to buy it, but they're not sure what to put that are on yet.
0: Yeah, yeah and that's a really good point, and I'm just going to interject real fast, because some listeners may not know Mark's background story. Uh, he does. Uh, he's the artist agent for um, Mark Poole, among other things, which is probably fairly lucrative when you're getting these ancestral visions signed or ancestral recall or, or things of that nature. Um, very high-profile art pieces, in my opinion, at least.
2: Yeah, he's, Mark's got uh, a lot of great artists in his stable, I guess you could say. Uh, Dan Frazier, um, Doug Shuler, Um Mark Poole uh, is is working with, he, he he's working with, um, he works with Mark on some things. He also works with a guy named Jeff Ferreira. Jeff He used yeah. to uh, yeah. work with uh, Chris Rush. Um, and so there are a couple people out there. I work with uh, a few artists, but not as directly. Um, I mainly do merchandising. I don't, I think they're kind of on their own on shows because I've got, usually I'm there at a booth so I can't hang out with them um uh let's see Jack Stanton uh does uh, there's a guy named Jack Lewis Stanton he does signings he arranges signings with many 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 artists uh great guy loves to talk
0: uh oh yeah uh, Get him started on Quentin Hoover that is a very um, yeah. very deep
2: rabbit hole Oh, it's many, many, many rabbit holes. Uh, and then there are a couple of the people. Dan Chang was repping a few people that kind of fell through. Uh, he's doing his own thing, really getting to 93, 94. Um, you've got, uh, there's there's a guy that I'm forgetting the name of that handles a lot of the UK artists. Um, but he was a great guy. I met him at Vegas. And so you're seeing uh, a few people that are becoming artists agents and uh, repping uh, like mark has uh Volkan Baga, Philip Berberon, uh Jesper uh, Icing, I think his name is E J S I N G. Um, and he he's you know working on merchandising for them. And so there's there's definitely a lot of like what you what you just said of whoever is going to be able to figure out how to you know capitalize on the artwork in non-playmat form is it's definitely the case. There, there are a couple caveats to that. Like if it's prints, I think I agree. That's why I'm getting into prints, working with artists to make prints. But I think the, the print market is going to take a lot, a lot of time to develop. And I don't, I don't know what the potential is there, but, uh, I mean, that's one reason I'm, I'm getting into it, but there's, you have ultra pro and Watsi to deal with. So anything involving actual magic art, you're, You're limited. You're very, very limited. Like, if you wanted to get into dice bags, you're talking, you have to order 2,000 of them uh, from Ultra Pro of a single image. And I'm sorry, maybe Therese Nielsen could sell 2,000 of a single thing. I don't know many other artists that could do it. Uh, it, It's just a lot of... uh, I mean, I've had some some popular playmats come out and but we haven't even come anywhere near that nu- anywhere near that number of sales so it's just crazy uh, and and the restrictions of operating within you know WOTC's you know licensing structure makes it a little bit more difficult but I, I completely agree and, and hopefully we see more like the the playmat the reason why you see so many playmats is because Wizards and Wizards alone, maybe with some prodding from some of the artists, agreed to let the artists make playmats. They didn't have to. The license doesn't. The, the contract doesn't say they can. Uh, doesn't say they have to. This is just w- Watsi looking out for the artists. And sure, there are some restrictions to it. And it would be great if I could go through another company or offer it in a different way or get it cheaper, faster, whatever. But you know, I'm happy that the artists just have the opportunity where otherwise, I mean, they don't have to do it. They, there is no reason that wizards has to do it. They don't make any money off of it as far as I can tell. And it's all ultra pro and the artists working together and Watsi just helping the artists out. So hopefully they expand that and we can do other things, but I don't know if you'd have to identify what that is. And I can't see anything else in the market that people like, uh, yeah, I can't. I can't really think of anything else that it would be in the market that would be like people would really, really, really go for just that. I, mean, I may have have a couple ideas, but we'll we'll keep those for secret for now. Um, can you not do T-shirts? Uh no, you can't do T-shirts.
0: Just like the stipulation at Grand Prixs that you can't sell like Pokemon stuff. It can't be displayed at Grand Prixs. It can only be magic or magic accessories. Those are the only things allowed on a Grand Prix floor. All
2: right. And so, like, you, they're, they're the, the guy that runs Legion Supplies runs the MTG Pro Tour Shop or Pro Shop. And anything that you want to produce with Wizards IP, Wizards is going to have to get approval of. Every playmat that we make, Wizards gets approval of. So, could it happen with t-shirts? possibly but any design you make is going to have to go through wizards for approval like why that's why i facebook just drives me crazy with all these ads that you see especially during christmas time of people just throwing up their these, these fly-by-night t-shirt shops that are just fl- throwing up magic with all the logos and the trademark symbols and all this other stuff And i'm just like this is insane i wish i was this i wish i just didn't care enough and i didn't Fear What's illegal enough to just be like do whatever I want because people are just doing whatever they want, so It it, it, there are some restrictions when you especially if you're an artist because if you're an artist and you're a working artist That works for wizards. You do not want to come anywhere near Getting in trouble with them because that means no more working with wizards and the wizards is one of the most lucrative jobs for a freelance artist uh, the, the, the best way to get, you, basically you can use wizards as a stepping stone to build your own thing, but it's a very important stepping stone and they're, 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 what, there's a reason why people you know, work towards becoming a magic artist.
0: Well, thank you for illuminating us on all this art stuff. I'm sure our listeners are enjoying it based off what the live chat is saying. Um, Because this is an art-themed podcast, I'm not exactly going to brush you aside, but we do need to uh, give a uh, a random listener a stroke of luck here with a $25 gift certificate. Jim, would you like to read the question that was picked this week?
3: Only if you promise me you're going to stop with art puns because I just can't handle it.
0: I'm sorry that I was framing my puns in the worst way possible. Now, who won the credit this week?
3: Oh, my God. All right, our winner this week is David Moore. And, David, uh, when you get a chance, send me a message on Twitter or Facebook, and that will get you your $25 in CoolStuffing.com store credit. And his question is, heading to a GP soon, what is the best time during the event to pick up good deals, like the beginning of the day or wait till the end, first day or last day? Any advice, guys? Thanks
0: well if you've been following ed on this live stream and watching him take a cab around half of new york ed are you there and able to provide an answer for did and my guess would be no even though apparently ed is listening so
3: jim would you like to go sure absolutely so uh, generally speaking the best way to sell cards is on a friday or a saturday because they will have the most amount of money and the most need to buy cards. Uh, if you're looking to buy cards, you should probably try to buy them at the end of the week, unless anything is spiked um, over the weekend. You'll probably find your best deals then because vendors don't want to take stuff home with them, they don't need to.
0: Travis?
1: That's the same advice I would give. I would just say that uh, if you're looking at selling, I would really stress trying to get in there on Friday uh, or early Saturday. Like Every hour counts when you're trying to sell to a vendor, and getting there Friday is uh, very beneficial.
0: I can confirm that. I randomly went to GP Indie this weekend to sell a bunch of pie-end stuff, and vendors were... Out of money by the time I had finished shopping with the last vendor on Saturday and they were offering deals to get cash back right away so that they could continue to buy cards. Um, So always feel free to offer right before they're packing up on Sunday and always try to sell Friday or Saturday around noon at the latest because they may just run out of cash. And uh, I mean, you can take PayPal from some of them, but not all of them offer PayPal options. So that is definitely something to keep in mind. But that is a good question, David. Uh, Like Jim said, get in contact with us. And as always, you can leave a question on the Gathering Magic um, website on the latest cast for a chance to win next week's uh, $25 Cool Stuff, Inc. gift card. Now there's been a lot of financial trends going on lately. We've been seeing a proliferation of reserve list prices. Um, Is there anything that you guys have been looking at as far as why the heck is this card worth this much? Or, hey, I actually sold a copy of this on TCG player and there's actual demand behind this maybe, if it's not a greater fool purchasing the card. Travis, as someone who sells on TCG player, what have you been noticing lately as 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 far as the reserve list is concerned?
1: Um, well, I don't have a ton of reserve list cards and in my inventory. Uh, it's not something that I really get involved with too much. Um, I know I've talked about that before. It's, I've kind of stayed away from it. It makes me a little nervous, even though I know that some people have been doing well with it. Uh, so I don't have a lot of additional insight into what's been selling on that front. I've had a couple things like some Tetsuo Umezawa's that I've had for a million years, finally got picked up recently. What I have been set seeing it sell through a ton of is uh like bloodline keepers. So vampires is really popular. Um, Sigil Tracers. So all of these cards that are related to the Commander 2017 uh, release are really selling through very rapidly, Um, and I don't know how you're probably going to be able to ride that wave for probably another month or two um, before I expect it to die down a little bit.
3: Jim, Um, I don't have any reserveless cards myself either. Pretty much everything that I wanted to buy, I made sure to own ahead of time, like, I don't really need a ton of stuff, but there were some cheaper reserve list cards that I just made sure to have, because I don't really want to pay four times the amount of money that they cost, you know, last week, so um, I bought a Mind Over Matter, I bought an extra guys for it all, just, like, things that I'm going to know I'm going to end eventually Eventually, and want to play in EDH, because it's really all I play at this point. Uh, I didn't buy anything for any investment purposes because, honestly, it's just not worth the time for me to sell them. Like, I don't know if they're actually selling. they are probably some of them, but probably not enough of them. Um, but what I have been keeping an eye on is the Commander stuff, and the new Commander cards are just... They just keep going up. Uh, I don't i don't really know what's going on. Um, Teferi's Protection, I don't know if anyone's been paying attention, but the pre Ring for $15, and now the cheapest copy on TCG Player is $2. Thirty-one fifty. so I don't know what happened like yesterday or today, but they just don't exist anymore for less than the cost of the deck, basically, so if you see any of the Vampire um, Commander decks available at like a Walmart or whatever for MSRP, that's the Vampiric Bloodlust deck. They are now also selling for $50 on TCG Player, or they're listed for $50 as well as the Dragon deck, so I think that the amount of product that stores ordered was too conservative, much like the last commander set, and I think we're going to see prices start to climb much faster than we expected because there just isn't enough of the cards around that people want. Um, the fact that we're going into another set, the Ixalan, is obviously going to be a uh, well. It's not obvious, but from the cards that we've seen so far, is going to be a tribal theme set because we've already seen uh, the land that's like Cavern of Souls that makes a mana for any color of creature, plus the artifact. That's like a weird coat of arms draw card thing. Um, um our folk lord,
0: I, that's also a commander.
3: Yeah, there's just like there's just like a lot of weird things. Like the the dinosaur guy is like very obviously made for commander. It's a very strong legendary creature that cares about dinosaur tribal stuff. Um, I don't think we're gonna get out of this like tribal is fun stuff for quite some time. So uh if you're waiting for anything. Um, the two most popular cards in the Commander set are Herald's Horn and Path of Ancestry. So, if you want either of those, don't wait because they're just—I I don't know how long they're going to say this cheap. Like it doesn't—it doesn't make sense that they would.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So if you see a Vampire deck, I would recommend sinking your fangs into that one and picking it up. Anecdotally, we sold out of all Commander decks as like maybe a couple hours after we opened on Friday, and we ordered as many as we could, and we sold a hundred and something Commander decks. So, but, like, we have a huge commander demand. That's, like, our shop. Uh, we're going to try to go over to Ed in a subway <laughs> station. I highly doubt he's going to be able to respond. But, Ed, is there anything you want to talk about about commander or old school?
4: Uh, I'm going to try and kill everything with one stone so I can eat before my train comes. Um, What did we talk about before this? I had a point I was going to make. Uh, For GPs, one of the things that you can actually do, um, if it's slow, like, especially during day one between rounds, like, like rounds like two, three, four. Um, If the vendors are slow and you want to sit down with them, usually if the GP is pretty bad, they'll be desperate to make a deal. So they will probably overpay you on things um, that they otherwise might not. Because if we're just sitting around doing nothing, we're making no money. Whereas if we have to overpay, we're just making less money as opposed to making nothing. Um, So that's something to consider, especially that's one way to kind of avoid the hustle bustle that comes out of like all the, everyone trying to rush in on Friday to sell all at once um, regarding the commander stuff apparently I've been told that WOTC is already out of stock you can no longer order uh, commander 2017 direct through WOTC uh, some of the distributors still have it available but it's being heavily allocated due to how much demand there is and it just doesn't seem like they have quite enough to print uh, so we'll see if there will be like another wave coming out at some point but as it is it's it's definitely like buy it now otherwise you're, you're going to regret it especially if you want like the full set of five there's probably no better time to buy it than right now. Um, as for reserveless stuff, uh, I, th- I think the initial like cards are selling super well. I think that's gonna die down pretty fast. I think a lot of the things like foil treacheries, foil like Yaubea Hollows, a lot like foil Academy rectors, A lot of people who want them probably kind of got spooked and bought them right away. And those are people that actually like must have them and can probably throw around the kind of money. But I think we're actually going to spend the money in the coming months. It's probably gonna slow down quite a bit. And I imagine that as slowly more and more kind of get on the market, the price will just like slowly creep downwards because realistically anyone who does want them like probably already has them and doesn't care about the money. So they probably already bought it. So as for like some of the older stuff like Legends, I have kind of mixed feelings about that. Like, yes, they're in short supply, but I'm not really sure, like, again, a lot of this stuff, like, who's actually buying it. And, like, sure, like, most of us, like, we've, like, mentioned, like, it's not really worth our time. Or I guess Travis has some copies, incidentally. But the majority of the people who are trying to make money off of it, I imagine it's incidentally as well. As opposed to people who have a ton of copies or who didn't buy on are actually able to profit by a substantial amount.
0: Thank you for your live report in from the subway, Ed. Your feedback was off the rails, and I'm hoping we can train you to have that good of audio quality when you're at home.
3: Um, Anecdotally... You're going to give me an aneurysm if you keep this up. (laughs)
0: Anecdotally, um, someone was at the GP, and he went to every single vendor and bought, like, one of every reserve list card and a lot of graded stuff for his collection because he's trying to collect, like... A graded set of international edition, a graded set of collector's edition, a graded set of antiquities, blah blah blah. Then he was also picking up like all the near mint copies of Reservoirs cards on the floor because he just wanted to collect them. So it was pretty crazy to see him trade. Like uh, one of the things I saw was he traded twelve thousand dollars of Mirrodin era foils in for like all this near mint like the abyss and moat and jews and Jins, but those guys are few and far between it's just more about a lot of these cards don't have many copies on the market so even one copy leaving tcg player uh sends an insane spike that people think is moving higher than it actually is on places like uh, mtg stocks or tcg player so that's something to keep in mind as usual, as Ed picks up his food, we're going to move into Pick of the Week. This is where we all pick cards, and we hopefully either save you money or just things to keep an eye on. And as always, Ed, we're going to start with you. What is your Pick of the Week? Um,
1: Noodles. Noodles. <laughs> um,
4: mom didn't make me joke my food. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do my shot of Masterpieces. Um, Through the Breach and Blood Moons are both... Um, can Buffalo Wings, please? Um, through the Breach and Blood Moon are both cards that they see a lot of competitive play. I think they're pretty underpriced. Through the Breach has done nothing but creep downwards since it's been printed. And it's a weird equilibrium state where through the Breach from Kamigawa is almost the same price as through the Breach from the Masterpiece series. And at that point, like, I'm just expecting some sort of price correction. Um... It does see, like, it does see, like, some some sideboard playing legacy in the Sneak and Show decks, you though know, that deck's kind of dead. Um, it's kind of a modern deck, even though it's kind of falling out of favor. Like, the, like these are reasons that Reach can get more expensive. And we've seen, like, when it's, when it's popular and expensive, it gets pretty expensive. So I usually expect through to be an $80 card. Blood Moon's kind of in the same boat. Uh, there's no foil version of the Dark art, and uh, I think the Blood Moon... Uh, invocation the art's like super sweet um it's pretty obvious that it's sort of like very expensive in japan um so i totally expect like some sort of price correction to happen at some point um uh, mainly because of like it's it's the only it's the only way to get foil in a different art then because 8th and ninth edition and modern masters they all have the same art so if you want something different like people will look to the invocation blood moon and i would be surprised to see that card be like at least 120 dollars, based on okay. just how little our devastation was open
0: Thank you for your pick, Ed. That was possibly the best one you've had yet. Uh, Jim, what is your one for pick of the week?
3: I've been harping on commander cards, so I'm just gonna stay on my path. Um, well, I guess I guess I could take a step back. If you have, if you're watching this live, you still might be able to buy this. But Carnage Tyrant uh, was pre ordering very briefly for five dollars. It's now eight dollars. If you play standard, you probably just want to own these guys. Um, It's big, it's beefy, it's hard to kill. It's I don't know. It's just not everything. It dodges the most popular sweeper. This could easily be like one of those cards, like Verderous Gear Hulk, where it's like a four-dollar card, then a twenty-dollar card, then a six-dollar card, then a forty-dollar card. And
4: spoiler to just start,
3: uh, Carnage Tyrant is a four green green. 7 6 can't be countered, trample hexproof. It's just a pile of stats for 6 mana, and it's just really hard to kill and really hard to block. So, um, it's a kind of card that would be very good in standard, especially since we may not get a new sweeper from the set. Um, but if you don't want to buy new cards or you don't want to speculate on stuff that or that price is not available anymore, I don't really know, or you just don't play standard. Uh, I'm I'm big on Harold's Horn. Uh, this card's a lot better than I thought it was. It's like I said, it's a lot like versus uh, Incubator that also draws you cards some of the time. Um, these have gone up about a dollar since release, and I don't see that stopping. Uh, they're only in two of the decks, and one of them is quite popular and want, really wants to keep it in there. So um, it's available, and I think in the Dragon deck and the Cat deck. If I'm remembering correctly, uh, and the Dragon Deck for sure is not taking it out, so you're just not going to get see extra copies of these. Whatever stores have busted at this point is probably all that's going to exist.
0: Good point. And uh, Josh, what is your art pick of the week that will make us a lot of Monet? Well, if you were
2: interested in art and you wanted to good good get a get in at a, a good place, it's going to be sketches. Um, there's there's still a lot of
1: did you say sketches or <laughs> <they're> sketchy? <laughs>
2: yeah, sketches and color studies, it, basically the unfinished pieces, they're just as unique as the paintings, uh, but most of the value on, on paintings has been, you know, discovered. Uh, you come with a painting, people are going to know what, what it runs, artists know what they run, but sketches you're going to run into a lot more opportunity. So if you're going to put the work in and reach out to artists to find out if they have any originals, definitely ask about their sketches, or their color studies or any of their preliminary work, you might be able to pick up You might be able to still pick up some for fifty to a hundred dollars that I mean when I was at Gen Con I picked up three for uh, of new pieces for fifty dollars, fifty dollars, and sixty dollars so there's still opportunity out there and uh, while again I reiterate by what means a lot to you focus on that first but if you are interested in getting into the art market and you are looking for a, a good opportunity to get a, a good value something to hang on the wall that is just as is unique as an original painting look at the original pencils look at the color studies they're going to be uh, sometimes they're going to be tighter. Uh, they're they're going to be very, very tight, and usually artists are going to be charging more for that. But uh, you're going to also see some opportunities of just nice, solid pencil sketches under $100 uh, that are generally going to be a good value. I think that the, uh, the art market is going to continue to grow. Uh, it's going to ebb and flow. Uh, but over time, as more and more people get into it, see the value there, um, getting in now with sketches or color studies is a, Great opportunity to you know get your foot in the door um, while you're saving up for that you know ten thousand dollar painting that you want.
0: I mean, could buy what uh, Therese Nielsen wears when she walks around her house, which is Skechers. Travis, what's your pick of the week? Uh, well, you know I've talked a lot about EDH in the
1: last weeks. Um, everyone knows I'm a big fan of masterpieces, uh, but I don't love reserve list cards. But this week I thought I would go a little differently, try and look where no one else is looking right now. Um, So I turned my attention to Modern this week um, and I was digging through some of the MTGO results just to see what jumped out at me and I found that Foil Eldritch Evolution is I believe like $4 now. Um, right in that range. That's a card that was pre-ordering for like twenty dollars for non-foils at first. It's the three mana a creature tutor for a creature that costs two more. This is only going to get more useful the more creatures that we see printed. Um, it's in every format, right? So it's like I don't mean it's heavily played, but I mean you've got it legal in Legacy, you've got it legal in Modern. Um, if anyone ever on their Ever plays Frontier, it would be legal in that or whatever a successor to Modern might be, EDH, all that good stuff. Um, So there's a lot of fodder for that right now, and there's only going to be more. Keep in mind, you've seen decks like Grishel Brand, which have and uh, Lantern Control, which existed um, for years before anyone figured them out. So it's possible that the Eldritch Evolution deck exists. We just don't know it yet. But $4 for a foil for what could become a format staple in the same way that Court of Calling and Collected Company are, uh, I think is a pretty safe pickup. And I wouldn't worry about seeing reprints on that either.
0: It's a pretty good one. My pick of the week is Basilisk Caller. It hit its low a couple of weeks ago, specifically the Modern Masters 2017 printing. This is a card that we can't keep in stock online or in, or in any of the shops. Uh, a lot of players like this for their commanders, and it has some synergies with a couple fun cards out there like Walking Ballista. It's also seen play in the worst format ever. Uh, I believe Eldrazi Tron plays uh, like a couple copies so occasionally. So that's something I would be looking to trade into our pickup for pretty cheap. I believe TCG mids around 350 and I see this hitting five by the end of the year. Um, so, yeah, that's the cast. Thanks for listening, guys. Where can people find you all uh, if they want to get in contact with any of you?
4: Uh, Edwin13 on Twitter. Uh, after seven weeks of traveling, I will, not be any, I will not be in D.C. this weekend. I'll probably be in Hascon next weekend, and I'm going on a good old-fashioned vacation the weekend after that.
0: Ed is always continues to be a monster. You can follow his travels at pretty much any airplane in the world. Jim, where can people find you? My name is
3: Jim Desai. You could find me on Twitter at PHROST. Underscore. You could find me on Quiet Speculation every week. And my Magic uh, Gathering Magic article comes out every other week.
0: Josh, where can people find your tokens and articles and all that fun stuff?
2: Uh, so I run the Original Magic Art store. It's originalmagicart.store. Uh, and that's where I post all my articles. I run the Reprint Rumbles and Art in Focus series you might see on Reddit from time to time. Um, we sell classic art tokens, we sell uh, official magic playmats, can't get anywhere else, and we're getting into prints as well. We also have a limited number of original uh, paintings and sketches available on the site. Uh, I have a Kickstarter coming out on October 10th for uh, a brand new line of uh, custom coins. Uh, they're going to be counters um, that we are... you know it's, Nothing, it doesn't exist in the market yet, so we're trying it out. Uh, we posted it on Reddit not too long ago, and it did very well. People are very excited about it. So that's coming out, and then we got projects in January and May. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Original MTG Art, uh, Facebook under Joshua Krausey. I'm on the um, MTG Art Market uh, Facebook group all the time. I'm also on Reddit uh, every once in a while and uh reach out to me if you have any questions about magic art and always just check out the store see what we got i think travis is
0: on a phone call so i'm going to answer for him my name is travis allen i'm always in a bad mood you can find me on twitter at wizard Bumpin. i co-host the inferior podcast uh fast finance and you c- my articles of watchtower go up on mtgprice.com every week so you should check those out um I'm Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at MissouriMTG. Uh, we have a Countering Cancer Legacy Tournament that only has four seats left before we hit the fire code maximum. Uh, we're going to raise like $3,000 for a local's cancer treatments this weekend. Uh, so if you're in the area, all single sales profits go to this guy. All entry fee profits go to this guy. So if you want to stop by and make a difference, uh, you can find me this weekend at the Great Valhalla's Gate in mid uh right next to the University of Missouri. Uh, If you just drive down Highway Farty Far past the washing Machine place, it'll be right there. But yeah, we really appreciate you guys uh, listening to this cast. Josh, thanks for coming on and providing that awesome art knowledge that a very few people know about or how lucrative it is. And as always, we'll see you guys next Monday. That's it. You can follow us on Twitter at cartel underscore finance. You can follow us on Facebook at Cartel Aristocrats. And of course, you can catch our podcast on soundcloud itunes youtube and gatheringmagic.com that's it for this week
2: guys have a good one and we'll see you next week bye